1: is a hoop ball lakers and hoop ball clippers collaboration brandon marcus here you're gonna hear ethan noroff's voice in just a second we came at you to start the season came with our predictions now we're coming at you before the season begins
0: again for the second time ethan noroff what's up my dude is it weird that i feel like this this restart is feels like longer in between two seasons like i can't believe we're still in the same season here
1: Yeah, it really does seem like it's been about a year since the NBA stopped on March 11th. And now all of a sudden, here we are, and we're looking at July 30th for the restart. And it's weird because for me, I don't know if it was like this for you, the month of March could not have gone any slower. And then it seems like the last three months have gone by super fast because we're about to be
0: in July. And it's like, where has the time gone? Absolutely man I mean from the moment you know our school went on closure I'll never forget Friday the 13th because right cue the dun 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 and then that whole next two weeks was just like the slowest play ever but these last couple months have flown by and I'm hoping we get that same kind of as much as I want to enjoy the moment and you know be be Zen master to to channel my inner Phil Jackson I really want to make sure that you know we are anticipating basketball because I think it will be good for everybody.
1: Yeah, we're excited about it. We're going to talk today about all of the details that have come up over the last several days from Shams and Woj about the hotel situation, what it's going to be like for the players in Orlando. Neither of our podcasts has touched on it yet, and we've already mentioned it once, but we'll mention it again. Ethan Noroff from the Hoopball Lakers podcast. You can see him on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff, N-O-R-O-F. You can see me on Twitter at BD Marcus, and I'm with the Hoopball Lakers. Clippers podcast it's at Hoopball Clips and he's at at Hoopball Lakers and he just released a fire promo that you'll see on Twitter you'll hear whenever you listen to other podcasts he killed it with that promo so uh, Ethan congratulations on that I know you're pumped about it
0: appreciate that man and big shout out to our boy Luke for the uh for the mashup and cueing the graphics all together, you know, I just produced the script and do the voice, voiceover of God, not only playing, but you know, I'm sitting here and I'm so celebratory about, you know, being back on the pods, getting into back some sense of normalcy, right? Because it's definitely not normal, but I got to say, Brandon, I had to remind myself almost that not only Dion waiters and Markeith Morris are on the Lakers, but I really had to remind myself that Joe Kim Noah is on the Clippers.
1: I was about to say, you got to remember that Joe Kim Noah's on the Clippers. And how about this one? How about Reggie Jackson? is on the Clippers. I mean, everyone forgets that he uh, got bought out and he joined the Clippers, and all of a sudden he allowed Lou Williams to play off the ball, and we saw a different Lou Williams.
0: And also Marcus Morris is on the Clippers too. You know, it's amazing, because Reggie Jackson went from being an overpaid scrub in Detroit to being, man, how was this guy bought out? What a, what a uh, valuable contribution to the Clippers. So I think too many times we get lost in that contract number, which is never the player's fault, because if somebody put $80 million in my face, I'd sign it too, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I got a real question I got to ask you before we get into the actual meat of this podcast. I had talked about this guy when we did this preview. I believe it was in October, and I'm going to bring you up or I'm going to bring up this question again. How do you
0: feel about Avery Bradley? Okay, so Avery Bradley's had his moments, right? <laughs> like I sat here, I sat here in October and said like I thought he could be a valuable contributor to the team, which at times he has been. Unfortunately for Lakers fans and for Avery Bradley, he is sort of the epitome of hot and cold. When he has a really good game, you say, wow, where's this version of Avery Bradley? And when he disappears, you say, literally, where is Avery Bradley?
1: Yeah, my dude. But then you realize that you're saying, where is Avery Bradley? About 90% of the time, and then about 10% of the time is when he's actually there. I warned you this was going to happen, and uh, I'm not sure he's a guy that you're going to be able to trust offensively and defensively in the playoffs. I mean, everyone, he was talking about his defense. I'm not so sure
0: about the defense, man. Anything that gets me more of Alex Caruso on the court is what I'm going to sign up for at this juncture.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Alex Caruso in Orlando. It's a Disney plot right there for you. The uh, the superhero Alex Caruso. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. So before we get into the actual discussion of what's going to happen in Orlando, how do you feel about the Lakers going into this setup, where they are as a team, I mean, the long layoff for LeBron, is that a positive or a negative? In general, how do you feel about the situation?
0: I feel like the Lakers are still in a pretty good spot. My my biggest question for the Lakers is, you know, will this team be able to sort of ride the same wave of momentum that it was enjoying prior to the shutdown? Because before the shutdown, the Lakers were playing arguably their best stretch of basketball going back from the end of January up until the final day of the season before we got into the restart mode. And I think my other question for the Lakers is, Especially if Dwight Howard is really not going to play, is this an opportunity to bring back to Marcus Cousins, or do you not want to disturb that dynamic? Is he healthy? I don't think anyone really knows. I mean, I I think that, you know, he's, he's almost a year out from the injury, right, or just about a year out. So in theory, is he healthy enough to be, you know, an everyday human? Sure. But I think what people lose sight of a lot of the time when they are talking about professional athletes and really any line of work, right, whether it's basketball or any sport, is that it's not just rehab to be a normal person in society. It's rehab to be at the top 1% of athletes of all in the world and be ready to play NBA basketball. Those are two very different questions.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's the same thing with Noah. I mean, how many minutes is he actually going to be able to give the Clippers? I think he'll be there more to help out Zoo. And just to be a, kind of that guy on the bench. Oh, yeah. Before. I don't think it's going to be anything more than maybe seeing him for five to ten minutes. If it's in the first round and they're beating the crap out of the Mavericks, for example, then we might see him for more than five minutes at a time. But And, I mean, and,
0: and similarly, I mean, even if the Lakers were to re-sign Cousins and they were to give him, you know, some sort of nominal role – he probably is not going to play a majority of minutes. You're maybe looking at, you know, twen- 10 to 12 minutes or 10 to even 15 minutes, again, sort of depending on Dwight Howard's status. But you got to remember, like we were talking about just a few minutes ago, Mark Marquise Morris is now on this team. And as the Lakers progress into later in the season, into the playoffs... You know, they're going to want to experiment, or I should say continue to experiment, with closing games with Anthony Davis at the five. So is the need for DeMarcus Cousins a true basketball need, or is it more of a luxury? I feel like it would be more of a luxury and a camaraderie thing, because he's been with the team all season long. But, as mentioned, if Dwight Howard does wind up sitting out, the Lakers do need a legitimate backup center behind JaVale McGee.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And you talked about the Lakers being in a really good spot when this actually uh, came to a screeching halt. Same could be said about the Clippers. They were 7-1 in their last eight. I think that one loss, by the way, was to the Lakers, if I'm not mistaken. Sure was. Uh, so they have been playing really well. And then you get into this, and now you're wondering, well, is this a good or a bad thing for PG and Kawhi? Two guys that have been hurt in the past. Kawhi obviously load managing that knee. PG has got the shoulder issues. I think this is actually very good for PG to give him that long rest and able to rehab those shoulder because I know that's been bothering him a little bit but not really a a huge concern and then of course you have Kawhi and he started off slow when he came back in I think it was no October November and now you wonder is he gonna gonna start slow again and that's why I'm grateful for these eight games the Clippers are in of course every other team's gonna play I think it'll help to get those kinks out and so they're ready for the playoffs but It's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be really interesting because you got really three teams, according to Vegas, that have a shot, and that's the Bucs, the Clippers, and the Lakers, but this really does seem like a situation where we could see some really weird things happen when you got these teams that are isolated, and who knows what's going to happen with someone picking up COVID. Hopefully that doesn't happen. I mean, God forbid a LeBron or a Kawhi gets it and misses a couple of games in a series. I mean, that could be an absolute disaster.
0: Oh, there's no question. And I think, you know, for some of those more chronic concerns, like you were saying, like with Kawhi, that's more of a round-the-clock load management issue, right? So the extended time might give him a reprieve, but he's still going to have to rehab and train and kind of do business as usual, whether or not he's playing basketball. But for a guy like Paul George, who's more of a, hey, I could really use to rest my shoulders for a couple weeks here, but I got to power through, it probably benefits him a little bit more. I don't think there's any downside to giving from the Lakers perspective. LeBron or Anthony Davis through those bumps and bruises, extended time off. But if you want to play the pessimist side of it, it's that, well, the longer these guys sit around, the more prone they might be to injury, right?
1: Yeah, that's the case, I think, for everybody. I mean, you just look at the bootleg in Germany, and they're getting a lot of muscle injuries because these players haven't played in a while. And uh, the Premier League came back yesterday, and so far, no muscle injuries, at least, I don't think. But there are some guys that did get hurt during the scrimmages that were being played before the season actually started. So it's a dicey situation. You really got to be careful, and that's why those eight games before starting are really important. You have to ease these guys in. There's no chance LeBron's going to go in and play 35 minutes right away. He's going to go in and play 20 to 25, I would imagine, and they're going to be shorter stretches. And then you slowly get these guys to play longer stretches so they're used to it because you don't want to just wake up the body and say, hey, go, when it's not ready to go.
0: I would certainly hope so. I mean LeBron is, you know, as he's he's a cyborg for lack of a better word, right? So he's sort of superhuman when it comes to some of those concerns we might have for other guys. But I still think that, you know, regardless of the training regimen that you've been doing from home and or in the facilities as they've begun to open up, it still isn't comparable to where we'd be in a quote unquote normal season, especially because you do have that layoff. You haven't had the same access to training tools, trainers, massage therapy, all the glitz and glamour of the Uh, you know sort of training regiments that come with a regular nba lifestyle so now you're looking at these guys and, and if you look i remember in our previous conversation sort of comparing the rosters one of the things that we focused on was really the support staff so to speak and i think some of those support guys are going to be more important than ever because teams are going to need contributions whether it's the lakers clippers or anybody else from some of those unexpected contributors in order to fulfill what they feel is their destiny
1: Yeah, good point. All right, let's get into the meat of what this podcast is going to be about. And this is the return to basketball in Orlando. And let's start with the hotels, because I think that's the funniest part about this. I mean, there's a lot of funny parts about it, but there are three hotels, the Grand Destino, the Grand Floridian, and then the Yacht Club. The poor Yacht Club are the teams that just barely scraped by and got into this 22 team thing, and that's the Blazers, the Kings, the Pelicans, the Spurs, the Suns, and the Wizards. And then the Grand Testino, of course, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Jazz, and the Heat. And then the rest of the teams, obviously, in the Grand Floridian.
0: Now it's, so, it's it's so funny to me because you could really look at those three hotel groupings and say, okay, these are the teams we think we're gonna make it the farthest. These are the teams that could make it, but we're not really sure. And here's just a bunch of restovers. Good luck to you.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And I was talking to a friend, and I said to him, How else do you want to do this? I mean, it does make sense that they went by record because you have to separate these teams into three hotels. And he's like, well, you could do it randomly. It's like, yeah, sure. You could do it randomly, but then you're gonna have teams that are gonna be pissed off. And at least now you have a reason for why it's happening. I mean, at the same time, do you really want, let's say the Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers and the Raptors are the final four teams left. Do you want them all at the same hotel when you have these other two hotels that are gonna be empty once all these other teams leave that's another situation that could come up is do you want to go and send two teams of the grand floridian once all those other teams are gone that's i I don't think they're going to do that but at the same time like how do you figure it out and does it make sense do do you think it makes sense to do it by record or would you have rather seen them done
0: randomly i think you got to do it by record i mean in turn in terms of just equity i can understand the hey let's do it randomly but if i'm a team that's favorite and we'll use the lakers or the clippers as the example because those are two of the teams that are favorite to win it all and you're stuck at the yacht club for what's going to be what four months i mean i don't think that that's good optics so i think this was the best way to do it of course anyone's going to have a complaint no matter how you do it so i think the nba did it right in terms of grouping it by record
1: yeah i agree um all right let's get into some of these other things because there's some weird stuff that's going to happen first of all And you tweeted this out earlier, uh, an article from Hoops Rumors of the six phases for return. Phase one, June 12th to the 22nd, that's currently what we're in. And that is that players are undergoing mandatory testing in their home markets beginning on June 23rd. So all players who are outside the United States returning to their home market, June 15th was the deadline. All other players are returning to their home market by the 22nd. One note is the Raptors are the ones that are going straight To Florida. They're in Naples, Florida, and they're using Florida Gulf Coast University's facilities to practice. And this is interesting because you have that phase one. Phase two is that when all the players are gonna be back at their facilities, with the exception obviously the Raptors, and that's when the testing begins. And it'll consist of nasal swabs, oral swabs, blood drawn. And then players must self-report if they are a member of their household or feeling sick or have symptoms. Then you get into phase three, which is the workouts still being done at the team's home locations. That's July 1st, to the 7th, and then teams are going to start traveling July 7th to the 11th to Disney World. Your thoughts on the initial process of getting to Orlando before we even get there?
0: Well, I think the biggest takeaway from the NBA's bubble plan is that there really is no bubble, right? And I say that as sort of half-joking, but kind of seriously, because although you're grouping all the NBA players together and you're putting all this attention to detail, oh, by the way, the Disney employees who will be uh, around these players, yeah, they can come and go as they please.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to do something about that, because there was a big uproar when that was released, and JJ Redick retweeted and said, so there's no bubble.
0: Yeah, uh, and I think there's, you know, look, he's always on, on kind of uh, on stroke when it comes to deep shots, and so I think this was sort of a mid-range layup for him, and he's right. So I agree they're going to they're make some sort of adjustment or some sort of, you know, uh, alteration to the plan in place, but... What I will say for the MBA is that there is no perfect scenario in which everybody's going to be COVID free, whether you're talking about the MBA, a school setting, or any other business. But in terms of being proactive and having a detailed plan and laying it out phase by phase and really paying attention to detail and some of the minutiae that, It becomes eyewash for a lot of people because they're so inundated by details. This is just one reason I personally enjoy contributing, advocating, and cheering for a league that is run by somebody with as much foresight, compassion, and intelligence as Adam Silver possesses.
1: Yeah, and, and that's where you get with the first couple phases. And it seems like they are not just saying, all right, cool, everyone report to your facilities, practice for a couple weeks, and then we'll send you off to Orlando, and we'll just isolate you there. They're starting to do testing now, which I think is really important to make sure that these guys are taking it seriously because if you're not getting tested, then you might, eh, whatever, we'll see what happens. They know they're going to be tested, so if it pops up and they know it's going to be a positive, they're obviously not going to want to have that happen. So I think it's important. (laughs) And then you look at phase three, and right before they begin to head to Disney World, and this is, again, where group workouts are still not allowed, and no more than eight players will be allowed in the facilities at any given time. So it's showing the importance of still social distancing, and then you head off to Disney World. And here's something interesting that I read, Ethan, from the article that you printed or that you posted, that the 7th to 11th, players and team staff are going to stay isolated in their rooms, and that's going to take until they have two negative COVID-19 tests at least 24 hours apart. The way I'm reading that is that they're going to have to be in their rooms right when they get there, and they can't do anything right away. Is that how you're reading it, too?
0: I mean, based on that summary, pretty much. Because if you're there, right, you have to get two tests at least 24 hours in apart. So it's at least on two, on two days back-to-back back from each other. So that's two of the days right there. And then if you do have a positive test, that further extends that timeline almost until basically those preseason, quote-unquote, games get going. And in the midst of all this, and actually prior to it, I should say – you're going to have players who need to notify but their teams I believe it's by June 24th whether or not they plan to play again this season the only player that i've seen and this wasn't even on record because it's a source report who's maybe 50-50 is justin holiday for the pacers but of course dwight howard is out here very vocally saying now is not the time for basketball basketball isn't right until you know basically we we eliminate all of these injustices in the world and while i understand the sincerity behind his words and the importance of this subject my subsequent question to Dwight Howard is, well, are you retiring? Because this isn't going to be solved just in this basketball year.
1: Yeah, that was the part of his statement where he said that it doesn't make sense to come back until this is all basically resolved. And it's not going to be resolved. Racism is not going to be resolved right away. And this coronavirus is clearly not going to be resolved right away. So yeah, I agree with you in terms of that. It just doesn't make much sense. Um, with phase four, by the way, apparently it's optional, but players can wear proximity alarms which will buzz if someone spends more than five seconds within six feet of another human being for the alarm to work. The other person must be wearing the alarm. Something tells me that these guys are not going to wear that alarm. It just, that just if it's optional, I don't think they're going to do it. Apparently, team and league staff must wear the alarm. Remains to be seen whether referees will have to wear it. Um, this is something that is one of the quirkiest parts of this. Is this proximity alarm to go along with this ring that apparently can be worn that detects coronavirus symptoms? Three days, apparently, up to three days before the symptoms actually start showing. Uh, It's very weird, but they're really
0: thinking about everything now, Ethan. I mean, I definitely can't blame them for thinking about it. I guess I I personally think that that piece of it, while the technology is impressive and certainly something that if it can be done, should at least be presented – it seems to me that it's more for the optics of the situation for two reasons. One is, like you said, I can't imagine a lot of players wearing it. And if Kyle Kuzma speaks for anyone besides himself, as he tweeted today, wow, that looks like a tracking device. So I guess we know where he stands on it. And two, once these guys are actually out on the court, you know, within five inches of, of each other, let alone six feet, they're not going to be wearing those rings. So then what?
1: My dude, your phone's a tracking device. I and mean, it just it, hate, hate, hate to uh, let you know that, but... You know, when you go on Instagram and all of a sudden you got the ad for uh, something that you looked up or, uh-huh. you know, find my friends. Yeah, that happens. That your, uh-huh. your phone is a tracking device, but whatever. And like you mentioned, with the Disney employees, not going to be require, required to reside in the bubble nor undergo COVID-19 testing. Apparently, their temperature will be checked daily and they'll be checked for symptoms. So that's phase four. And then four, phase four continued from the 11th to the 21st. So This is after four days of the teams getting to Orlando between the 7th and the 9th and then staying isolated in their rooms and getting two negative tests, that's when the group workouts can begin. And so players are still going to be tested for COVID-19. Players can only eat meals and participate in activities with other people staying in their hotel. And that's when we obviously mentioned the hotel groups. Now, here's the question. How, not dangerous, but how much does it hurt teams to not be able to practice in a group setting of more than eight people until July 11th. Because I think that hurts more than people think, and especially for teams that are really system-oriented.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to impact some teams more than others, like you said. And I think it will also impact some teams, you know, maybe even like the Lakers and Clippers who have some of those newer pieces to integrate. But I think of a team like the Blazers in particular, who have Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic who are both now healthy enough to play – and they're looking to reintegrate them. So if they can't have group workouts and they're already sort of on the outside looking in, are they at a competitive disadvantage as a result of that?
1: Yeah, it, that's a really good point of all these players that are, people are going to have to think of now that are going to get involved. You're going to want to have, even if it's the number 9 or 10 guy on the bench, you're going to want to have them playing with the first unit at some point. And you're not able to do that until you get to Orlando. And let's keep in mind that July 30th is when they're actually going to start playing. So that means they got about 19 days together, which is, I mean, it's not a lot, but also at the same time, it's not a little. So perhaps three weeks will be enough. Now, a couple other details from this bubble, and a lot of people obviously know some of these, but any meal eaten with a player from another team must be done outside. Players are not allowed to hang out in each other's hotels, which means that people from the Clippers will not be seeing people from the Mavericks at their hotel it just cannot be done there may be a few exceptions apparently but all food will be prepared on the nba campus players are allowed to hire a personal chef prepare meals to be delivered to the campus they're allowed to leave campus with the expectations that they'll stay on it if a player leaves without approval he'll be subjected to testing including that uncomfortable swab testing and a 10 to 14 day self-quarantine so basically it means don't leave the bubble I'm curious to get your thoughts on this now that we've pretty much brought up all the parts of the bubble except for the fact that we have – we mentioned the smart rings. There's the anonymous hotline. The NBA is going to establish the anonymous hotline to report violations. So people can basically tattletail on each other. Kawhi is going to be calling about LeBron leaving the bubble before uh, game one of the NBA finals. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you have the possible DJs that will be coming in, the 24-hour VIP concierge. Players-only lounge, TVs, gaming, card tables, ping pong, but only singles ping pong. Barbers, manicurists, salon-style services, yoga, meditation. Of course, like we mentioned, the food, the three meals per day, four meals during the actual game day. And then possible movie screenings. Um, Apparently movies like Black Widow are going to be shown to them early on. So, Bubble, is that something you could do? For three or four months, or do you think it's going to be difficult for these teams that got to the NBA Finals to be living in a hotel room for that long period of time, not able to leave that Disney bubble? Or do you say, you know what, this is pretty good. I mean, they got the barbers come in, they got the catered meals, they can play ping pong, they can play cards, they got these DJs apparently that could be coming in, they're going to be seeing movies. Which side
0: are you on? I think it depends on your matter of perspective, right? Because if you're a young guy, okay? If you're a young single guy and, you know, you don't have kids, you don't have a wife, you don't have a family, and, you know, you've been sitting at home more or less. I'll use Alex Caruso as an example, okay? You've been sitting at home more or less. You've been doing garage workouts. You've been running. You've been doing what you can. This actually might be an improvement in lifestyle. Yet you're in a smaller space, sure, but in terms of accessibility and in terms of training and in terms of all those sort of pieces that you can control, this actually might be an improvement. If you're a guy like... I don't know, Chris Paul, who clearly has a family, has outside considerations, has already made hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe you view it and say this isn't the best scenario. And and in Chris Paul's case, you know, I don't think personally that his team has a realistic chance to win the NBA championship. So if you're on one of those teams that's not a quote-unquote favorite, you might be looking at it more from the pessimistic side. But if you are on one of those teams that's considered a favorite, you might be looking at it from the optimist side. And at the end of the day, all of these guys got to where they are and they're going to be where they're going because they are the most intense competitors they are motivated to win they love being around their teammates it is can be like a brotherhood or like a family and so i think depending upon where you are in your headspace and the chemistry of your team this can uh, this can be met sort of with either side of the line for me right if if i were in this position and how i would love to be in this position and never will be but if i were in this position i would say look you know, the league is doing everything it can in order for us to resume some sort of normalcy in terms of a season. We've started something here, and I personally hate starting something without seeing, uh, having the capacity to see it through. So I, assuming that there are no greater health risks by going to Orlando than there would be in everyday life, I'd be in. But that's me, and everybody's going to have their own perspective. JaVale McGee has asthma. He says he has no concerns, because the reality is... Javale might feel safer in that bubble than he does going to the grocery store around people where he doesn't know where they've been.
1: Exactly, and I think that's the important part is you got to remember that all these players have been isolated, just like you and I have over these last several months. And it's going to look very different when you know uh, you might be living in a one-bedroom apartment, and all of a sudden you go, "Oh, oh okay, uh, I have this entire Disney campus." where I can go wherever I want on the campus. I get food. Everything that I want is at my fingertips, whether it's a barber. People have not even gotten haircuts throughout this entire thing. They can go and see movies, which none of us have really been able to go to the movie theater, obviously. We're just renting movies and watching Netflix and stuff. It's really going to be a better lifestyle there than what people are living now, and there's going to be a lot more freedom there And if this was something where, all right, you're living in, let's say, January, when it was normal and everyone can go wherever they want, and then you ask people to go to a bubble in Orlando, that wouldn't fly. But if you ask people to take your tiny little bubble that you're in now of your house or your apartment to go to Disney World, I think that's going to be okay for people.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that the majority would sign off for that plan. And the other piece is, too, you know, a lot of these guys are not. The Chris Pauls of the world are not the LeBron Jameses of the world, the Kawhi Leonards, the Paul Georges, all these guys on maximum level contracts. Some of these guys might be on their last deal or playing for their next one. This is about the sustainability of their short and long-term earning. And so there's a calculated gamble in all of that. But I would say, look, as somebody who has, I don't want to say no fear, but I'm not delivering in groceries. I'm going to the grocery store. I'm still doing some of those quote-unquote normal day-to-day things there's a calculated risk in everything that you do including even before covid when you went to go sit down in a restaurant so the fact that they're basically creating this i don't want to say sterile but at least semi-sterile atmosphere in which you have like you said a cruise ship worth of amenities you can do whatever whenever wherever for the most part confined within your space which isn't just your hotel room it's anywhere on that campus I find it hard to believe that you're going to find a more pragmatic and implementable solution in terms of a return to professional sports than the one that's outlined here.
1: And also, these guys will be able to go to each other's games. I mean, <laughs> it won't just be your game and then you go home. You
0: it's can, like summer league.
1: Yeah, you can watch other games. So if you're like, all right, these first couple of weeks of practice, whatever, this is kind of boring, I need to get out of here, cool, go and watch games. Like you, You will have the ability – to watch games all day. And I guarantee you the hoop heads will do exactly that. Some will have the routine where they need to take a nap game day, I mean day of others are going to go and just watch games. And, and that's totally cool. So I think that's an advantageous thing as well. And as someone who has lived in a hotel for several months, broadcasting minor league baseball, it's really not that bad. And, and I was staying at a decent Marriott compared to these guys are going to be staying in a much nicer hotel. So a, a decent Marriott I promise you it's going to be OK. And I think it, it you can go ahead and feel bad that they're going to be staying in a hotel and uh, they're isolated in Orlando. I mean, this is just a really, really long vacation where they're being paid basically to play basketball. And I know that's exactly what their job is. But I don't think this is as bad as some people may think it is.
0: No, I don't think so either. And I know some people are you know, detractors of the sport or really just of society at this point are saying it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Well, you could make that same argument for literally doing anything, anywhere, at any time until if and when there is a vaccine. And then even then, there is no guarantee that nobody gets sick. So I don't want to sit here and make light of a situation which is very serious because it is. I wear a face mask. I take precautions. I'm not going to parties. I'm not going to the beach. I get it. But I'm also not prepared to live the rest of my life wrapped in saran wrap by never taking a risk again because before COVID-19, everybody took risks every day. I mean, people would go you know, out to the restaurant, go back in their car, sneeze and wipe their nose with their hand that had just touched every surface in the world, right? So just calculated gambles and understanding that you know, if you're a generally clean person, you wash your hands, you take the precautions you need to, I think it's going to be okay but I'm not a medical expert. I don't know, I don't pretend to know, I don't want to sit here and say, look, there is no risk or there's all the risk." There is risk built into life, period. Yeah,
1: and to build on that with everyone saying, well, there's no need for sports at all. I mean, it, oh,
0: this, is not the,
1: this is not the time. Uh, I just We need to wait till, I mean, there's obviously a lot going on. I mean, the racism thing is no joke. It's really important, the Black Lives Matter, what is going on with that and with coronavirus, obviously important topics, but also I want everyone to think about it's not just these players going back to work with the sports. For the NBA, it's all the media folks that work in the PR department are going to work. All the producers, the directors, the technical directors in the truck that put on the broadcast are going back to work. In the NFL, I was furloughed from the NFL. It's People that work at NFL Network, when the NFL comes back, they're going back to work. And there's a lot of people in each of these different sports, not just the athletes, that are going back to work. So I think if you're able to do it in a safe fashion, it does make sense. And there really is never going to be, I think, the perfect time until we have the vaccine for things to be done. And if we're able to find something that works, and in this case, the NBA has a small roster compared to the NFL, and they're able to find a set location – I think it's worth trying it out and seeing if it does indeed work.
0: And I think, you know, the NBA has always been a league, at least since Adam Silver took over, as one that sort of sets the precedent and, and can be proactive. And other leagues can sort of follow their lead when it comes to certain things, whether they do Or are willing to do so as a whole separate conversation. But I think the NBA takes pride in being sort of, you know, the precedent setter. And I think there's something to be said for that. You know, you and I, before we came on air, were talking about Dwight Howard's comments. And I agree. Look, the Black Lives Matter, the systemic racism and oppression that goes on in our society has gone on, is going on, unfortunately will continue to go on, although we are seeing some very marginal improvements in the short term. This is not going to be something, it's not Black Lives Matter Spirit Week. This is a very serious issue that will take years to start seeing actual tangible change. So for Dwight Howard, Kyrie Irving, or anyone else to say, look, we can't play basketball until this is solved, well, then are you taking a break from the NBA? Are you taking a break from everything? Are you trading everything in to go be an advocate and focus on this issue? Because if you are, good for you. I give you nothing but congratulations and, and kudos and all, I'm all for that. But you can't say, well, we can't play right now because this is going on, and then resume business as usual next year because then it sort of compromises the entire idea. And one of the things that I said to you before we came on air is that, look – I'm not a person of color. I'll never know what it's like to be a black man, and I'm certainly not a voice of authority. My job as a white man is to listen, to educate myself and others as appropriate, and to amplify those black voices. But as you head on with the return to work, not just with the athletes and also all of the staff and support staff that comes with it, there is a certain line of thinking to be said that, hey, putting millions and millions and eventually combining all the earnings together, billions of dollars directly black, back into the black community Is actually something that can create tangible change and be beneficial in the short term and especially in the long run.
1: Yeah, and players will have all eyes on them. If the NBA is indeed the first one to return, you and I will, uh, don't worry, we'll touch on baseball at the end of this podcast. If the NBA is indeed the first one to return of the major sports, all eyes will be on them. And there's a lot that guys like LeBron James will be able to do with the light on them. It really will be an important moment in our history and agree with you 100% on everything else uh, that you said. Now, with Phase 5, because we'll move on to these phases, we mentioned earlier that you couldn't see anybody from the other hotels. Well, that changes July 22nd to July 29th. Each team is going to play three scrimmages against other clubs staying at the same hotel. So three games before the eight games even start. Starting July 22nd, players and team staff are allowed to socialize with anyone from any of the hotels players still can't go into another person's hotel. So you're allowed to see everybody. That's when they'll probably have the bigger concerts. Everyone can hang out, but you still can't go into the other hotels. They're being really smart about making sure that everybody stays inside with your group and outside you can do whatever because clearly science has shown us that outside is better than inside when it comes to the spread of coronavirus. Finally, basketball, phase six, July 30th, October 13th. That is when it starts eight regular season games to determine seeding. If necessary, a play-in tournament for the eighth seed. And then, after all sorted out, traditional 16-team, four-round, best-of-seven, playoff format. Once a team's eliminated, players and staff will be tested and immediately depart from the NBA campus. So off we go. There's a lot, Ethan, that goes into this season even starting. I mean, we finally just got to the basketball part. That's July 30th. And this phase one started June 12th. So there's a lot that's going into actually getting basketball ready to return.
0: No doubt. And I think, you know, like we've been saying, the NBA has clearly put together a plan where they're implementing it in stages to be not only careful, but also considerate of everybody's health and safety. And I think if you're going to do this, you know, and you implement any sort of return to play plan, you need to be as transparent as possible in order to get the best intentions across to not only the general public, but also to the people that you are expecting to directly participate in this process. Because if anyone, whether it's an immediate stakeholder or a fan stakeholder, feels that they're being cheated, that they're being eyewashed, that they're being duped and that something is not being told, they will be out faster than they could ever be in.
1: So if you have to choose right now and everybody stays healthy, no one gets hurt when we return to play. Nobody gets sick when we return to play. Are we in agreement that we're going to see Lakers-Clippers in the Western Conference Finals?
0: It's hard to see it any other way, man. I mean, those, are, those have been and, and, in my opinion, will continue to be the two most dominant teams in the Western Conference. And when you're looking at these two teams, they are built not only to win against any matter of opponent, but they're also built to win in particular within the confines of a seven-game series. Who do you think wins, honestly? For me, I, I look. I'm still going to sit here and say the Lakers because that's that's my mo. Mm-hmm. But for me, for the Lakers to really fulfill their destiny, as good I shouldn't even say as good, as great as LeBron and ADR, are, they are going to need someone, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the same someone because the Kyle Kuzma third star conversation has come and went faster than his bleach blonde hairstyle. Okay, looking like Eminem out there. I think the Lakers are going to need someone to be that third guy, quote-unquote, for lack of a better way to say it, on a consistent basis. And it doesn't have to be through scoring, but the third guy needs to be able to play defense so LeBron doesn't have to guard the best player. The third guy might have to score. He might need to play facilitator. They're going to need someone who can step up and take the pressure off of those two guys because you're going to have an intense focus on LeBron and AD. And, I mean, we're assuming that they stay healthy, but even in the event that they stay healthy, as you mentioned, I don't think you can play LeBron and AD 40 minutes in a seven-game series from round one of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point in terms of the minutes played because you can't just jump into it. you got to remember that usually these guys play 82 games. Their bodies are ready to go. And people were saying, oh, jump straight into the playoffs. No, it's really – the worst idea I heard. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't get these guys' bodies. You don't understand how incredible these bodies are and how much muscle – is on these bodies, and to ask them to go immediately play 30-plus minutes, you're asking for tons of injuries. So it's really smart the way they're doing this. But even then, the 11 games, the three scrimmages and then the eight games, still may not be enough to ratchet up the playoff intensity, and that's where you get the seeding being really important. If the Lakers and Clippers get that one and two spot, respectively, and they don't have to play tough opponents, it's going to be tough, but not as tough as it would be if you're in the three or the four spot then perhaps you're able to save the legs of guys like LeBron and AD and Kawhi and PG. And I'm in agreement with you. I really don't think you can go any other way when these teams are healthy. Let's not forget the Lakers and Clippers have played three times. The Clippers won the first two. The Lakers won the third. Each of those games, a different Laker has come out on fire. It was Danny Green, it was Avery Bradley, and it was Kuzma. Three separate games, I believe it was, that you had three different players come up. Like you said, it really is important to have that. Third player, and the question is, can they get some consistency? I think if they get consistency, we're going to see ourselves a really good series. I think we're going to see it no matter what. But if they don't get that consistency, I think you do give the the edge to the Clippers. I'm gonna. I still think it'll be Clippers in six or seven, and I think you'll say the same. It'll be the Lakers in six or seven.
0: I'd say that sounds accurate. I think the real question is who's coming out of the East.
1: That's a good question, man. I don't think anybody stops Giannis. Um, I, I just don't think anybody has as good of a team as milwaukee does with bledsoe and what they have with even chenzo now and chris middleton's been unbelievable brooke lopez i think they have a very good team the one team man and i know that everyone keeps talking about them first of all toronto's underrated i mean toronto is a very good team they're very well coached and i think good coaching is going to go a long way in this situation but there's something about philadelphia that just like those guys have the piece is there. The question is, can they put it together?
0: Well, I think, I think a couple of things. First is on the Sixers, you know. I've kind of heard that a little bit, but my, my, what I come back with the Sixers on is why are we trusting them to get it all together in this playoff format in this particular year when yeah. they haven't been able to figure it out literally the entire year prior? Yeah. And from the Raptors' perspective, I agree with you. Not only are they underrated, but the Raptors and especially Nick Nurse are the only team and coach that I have seen, in particular in a playoff setting, that have come out with a Giannis plan and actually been able to successfully implement it. So, if they come out with that same plan and they challenge Giannis and force him to stay outside and he has even a couple of off games, can those other pieces, the Bledsoes, the Middletons, the DiVincenzos, the Lopez, et cetera, et cetera, can they do enough? to beat the team approach that is the Raptors because the Raptors obviously losing Kawhi don't have that one superstar to trot out front anymore, but there is great strength within that chemistry on that team.
1: That's the issue. No Kawhi. I think that's going to end up being the difference this year between the Bucks and the Raptors is that Toronto doesn't have Kawhi. They still obviously have a tremendous ball club. There's no doubt about that. Fred Van Fleet's been unbelievable. Lowry's going to be healthy now. Marcus Gasol is going to be healthy. You add in Siakam. They've got a very good team. There's no doubt about that. Norman Powell who was hurt when this all started, is probably going to be healthy now as well. So that does help for sure, is that they'll have their full complement of players for the most part. But I just still think it's going to be Bucks versus Lakers or Clippers. I'll say Bucks Clippers. I think, I forget what I said. I wanted to go back before we started this podcast to see what we predicted. I know you took the Lakers in the finals. I took the Clippers in the finals. I think we both said the Bucks, But I, think, I also think it's possible one of us said 76ers. I may have said Clippers 76ers. I forget, though.
0: I feel like that's possible. I don't feel like I would have picked the Sixers because I don't trust the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid dynamic enough to do so.
1: Yeah, well, you could be a smart man. Now, now before we say goodbye, and uh, first of all, for those of you that hate baseball, we're going to do a very quick couple-minute thing on baseball. Uh, don't forget, you can follow at Hoopball Lakers at Hoopball Clippers. Ethan is on Twitter, and he is at Ethan underscore Noroff. I'm at B D Marcus. I got to get your take, man, because you're a Mets guy. Of course. There's nobody that gets angrier on Twitter when the Mets are doing poorly than you. And I know you and I both want to see baseball back. And what's going on right now is the most ridiculous thing I've seen in my entire life, where it really does seem like baseball owners think they're entitled to being profitable in a large margin every single year. And they're not entitled to take a loss. It's just something that just doesn't make sense to
0: me. Anyone, and I mean literally anyone, with any semblance of intelligence, who sits here and supports the ownership side in this particular dispute, with all due respect, is a moron. These owners have been given sweetheart tax deals, become billionaires based on million dollar purchases, and have publicly, publicly socialized the losses while privatizing the profits. And they want to sit there and say, no, we're the ones that have the problem here, it doesn't work for us. Bullshit. That's my answer.
1: Yeah, well said. Honestly, I couldn't say it better myself. It really does fall right now on the owners, and it's damaging to the sport, and this is a really bad time to be damaging the sport because baseball's popularity was already dipping. They were trying to find ways to get fans back involved, and that included skipping the amount of – or including – what is it now? The rule in seven mound visits per game or something. You're doing that. You're doing this clock in terms of how many minutes should pass between innings they're doing whatever they can to speed up the game of baseball and you're trying to get fans in the seats and now you don't have fans in the seats and you're losing your normal common fans that just love baseball because of this because you're going to have baseball back. or sorry. You're going to have basketball back. You have premier league back. God knows that the NFL is going to come back in some way, shape or form. It's just the way the NFL works and to do that and then fall behind it's a big, big mistake, I think, on uh, Manfred's part with baseball. I, I don't think that uh, the owners understand
0: right now what they're doing to the sport and the damage it's, they're going to cause. That's, that's exactly it, and that's, and that's the whole piece is when all of this began – Baseball had, we'll call it the perfect platform to not only leverage their existing fans, but also bring in those new ones. And now everybody is so turned off by this very public negotiation that those potential new fans couldn't be farther out. And the most dedicated users are simply shrugging their shoulders and saying, wake me up when you got something.
1: Yeah, we're going to need steroids back in baseball. By the way, that's interesting for the NBA. They're not going to be testing recreational drugs. So good on them because clearly there have been a lot of guys – have just been smoking weed probably during these uh, the last couple of months to uh, cure their anxiety and uh, just chill and relax. So good on mm-hmm. that. To not not te-
0: only not only has it been effective for anxiety, but there's science to suggest that it's actually helpful in in warding off COVID nineteen as well. So smoke it up, just don't smoke it while you're out on the court.
1: Oh, uh, exactly. Oh man, Ethan, this has been fun, man. It's good to uh, get back and talk to you. It's been a while. Obviously, we did this one when the season started in October, and I wanted to make sure that we could get it one in before the playoffs started. And uh, we may do one more either during the playoffs, before the playoffs, possibly before the Western Conference Finals. But I wanted to make sure we got one before this restart. So it's been uh, good catching up with you. And uh, I know you're excited. I'm excited as well for this NBA restart. I'm excited to have basketball back on my TV.
0: Enjoy it, my man. I know I will. And as you said, great talking to you. And I look forward to doing at least once more before the Western Conference Finals begins. It's been a collaborative
1: effort of the Hoop Ball Lakers and Hoop Ball Clippers. It's a crossover. Hope you enjoyed it. At Ethan underscore Noroff. I'm at BD Marcus. Enjoy everything on hoop-ball.com. And until next time, he's Ethan. I'm Brandon. And go clippers for me. Go Lakers for him. Talk to you next time, everybody.
0: See ya. This has been a HoopBall presentation. You know when
1: you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are The Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel.